Today on the MM&M Podcast, meeting the changing engagement needs of healthcare providers in partnership with Ernst & Young. Featuring a discussion with Ray Gomez, Vice President, Worldwide Omnichannel Capabilities, Bristol-Myers Squibb, and Shannon Hartley, Shannon Hartley, Managing Director, Life Sciences Transformation at Ernst & Young, LLP. Here's your host, MM&M Editor-in-Chief, Larry Dobrow. Hello. I drew the long straw today. I get to host this podcast with Shannon Hartley and Ray Gomez. Thank you guys so much for being here today. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. First and foremost, before we get going, tell us about both of your roles and tell us much more importantly, how you're doing after the last couple of years that we've all experienced in the pandemic. Sure. So hi, everybody. My name is Ray Gomez, and I've had the good fortune of uh, leading six different teams throughout BMS, which focus really on optimizing omni-channel and delivering it at scale as well. And, and I'm, you know, to answer your question earlier, I'm doing great. Yeah. Uh, really energized by not only what we're doing now, but what the future holds for our team. Mm-hmm. We like to hear that. Yep. Shannon, how about you? Sure. It's been fascinating to understand how the perceptions of healthcare providers, patients, and our clients have really adapted during this period. We'll talk a little bit more as we get into the discussion about some survey results that we've done as we've monitored kind of throughout the pre-pandemic during the, the height of the shutdown and kind of as we're getting into the new environment of how we live with COVID and, and what that means in terms of people people going back to work, physicians access for sales reps, the importance of omni-channel, how that's shifting. So I do a lot of work with different companies um, to really help them with their strategies around evolving and transforming in this new environment. Mm-hmm. All right. And that actually leads beautifully into our first question. Great. Obviously, EY has conducted a bunch of research mm-hmm. on this. Tell me a little bit about the research, kind of its evolution, sure. what you were looking out to find. So what we did was we started as as COVID hit and really wanted to understand how it was impacting our healthcare providers, um, which are you know a primary audience that a lot of our clients are interacting with, and it was such a dramatic shift going from seeing sales reps you know out in the field day to day to companies had to make a very quick pivot to a virtual environment, and so um, not only the interaction between pharmaceutical companies and physicians, but also physicians and how they're interacting with patients, mm-hmm. the increase in the rise of portals of, you know, video telemedicine, um, video medicine. And so we conducted our first wave of the survey to really understand how those healthcare providers' um, perceptions are changing, how they're interacting with both their own patients, with pharmaceutical companies, what's working, what's not early on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we continued to track that as the pandemic shifted and changed. And so we've done three waves of this study. The most recent is really what we think of as, you know, we went from full virtual to now we're seeing physicians saying that it's it's really important about hybrid and their definition of omni-channel has changed, which is there are certain things that I want to have in-person sales reps visiting me. Well, there are others that I'm comfortable getting that information through an email, through a website, through other vehicles. And so, you know, we've really seen that today it's not just about in-person or non-personal or omni-channel. It's very much about personalization yes. and not just for the physician in terms of their specialty or the individual, but the type of information they're looking for varies by channel. And so I think that's been a big insight 
insight for us as we've as we've done this last wave. And what we're working with companies on is how you build engagement strategies that can have that level of personalization. Right. Ray, from your perspective, the client side, um, pick up where Shannon left off. Um, what are some of the new things that you're seeing in Omnichannel, some of the things that have adjusted so much over the last couple of years? Great question. So one thing we noticed as well is we, we had a lot of work to do on demystifying what Omnichannel is, right? It's a term that's really a made up word if you really start to think about it. So we, we do a lot of this yes. here, of course. And when you start to think about what's most important for us, it's really defining what I call the four C's, which is, you know, identifying that customer so we can start to talk about how they want to be spoken to, mm-hmm. to what Shannon was saying. Then we start to formulate, okay, based on what their needs are, how do we start to drive towards that unwanted experience? So now it's more, there's intimacy built into that relationship in the future. That's how we start to look at Omnichannel. And then the second C is really, how do we start to look at the content that we have to, you know, start mm-hmm. to deliver and drive so that it's meaningful for them, right? How do we build that intimacy into the discussion? How do we do it in a way that's organic and meaningful for the doctor or the patient, whoever we're trying to target? The third C is really talking about the cadence. How often do we communicate with them? One thing about the term omnichannel, it doesn't mean omnipresent. We don't have <laughs> to be there each and every step of the way. We need to be there when they want us to be there. And as we go to the fourth C, it's it's really about now let's marry it with the right channel, right? So how do they want to be spoken to and where? Could be a podcast. Uh, it can be many different ways to get access to them. So again, it's it's all about relevancy with, uh, with Omnichannel. So that shift, knowing that we're migrating from not just talking about multi-channel or non-personal promotion, we're also making sure that we're there to meet them, the customer, when they want to be met. So that transformation on how we get that intimacy is really what I'm hyper focused on. To that point, Shannon, what Ray's saying about the evolving nature Mm -hmm. of this. Tell me a little bit about what EY has found in its research in terms of where we were versus where we are. Some of the trends that have picked up that you Mm -hmm. identified in the research. Sure. And I think, you know, Ray, I love the the four C's because that's exactly the idea and, and what we're hearing back from customers is it isn't a one size fits all. It mm-hmm. is about some of the trends are a real increase in wanting to have medical information and medical information is very different than product sales. Mm-hmm. And so when we look at products that are launching, it is important to have that sales rep explaining the new products. Um, But for products that have been on the market for a while, customers told us they're happy to go to websites. They're happy to Mm -hmm. get the reminders and emails of updates, but they're really interested in peer-to-peer interaction. That's something that accelerated during this time where virtual connection with physicians from different areas that used to only happen during conferences Mm -hmm. that were face-to-face, you see that happening more regularly. And we saw this in a lot of specialties like oncology, where you're seeing such a fast-paced change in the science that being able able to interact with peers who are doing new research and with pharmaceutical companies who are leading some of that research. It was critically important to those specialties to interact with the company, whether that's with the clinical trial leaders or with medical affairs, but not necessarily just a sales rep or just a email or as Ray said, you know, it's, a, it's about getting that intimacy and how they want to communicate. And that came through with a lot of differences across special by the type of content they're looking for and the ways that they want to interact. Ray, um, BMS, obviously not a small company. Some of the changes that Shannon just mentioned, were they tough to sell internally? Was it a philosophical mindset shift or was it basically, all right, here is the way the world is shifting. We're going to pivot. We're going to adjust because we have to. 
Yeah, I, I think the one thing I loved what Shannon was just saying, it, it, a lot of it starts with listening, right? Mm-hmm. Knowing which triggers you need to be turning on and off appropriately based on the information that you're gathering. At BMS, we, we came to the realization because the feedback was coming back to us saying, you, got, you guys need to evolve at the time. You need to start thinking about end, uh, end of one, right? What does it mean for me and relevancy? Mm-hmm. Building that in was critically important for us. So to answer your question, we saw this wave coming for quite some time. And now we, you know, what I struggle with sometimes is making sure that I am demystifying what omnichannel is, mm-hmm. what it means, and how will it drive impact. And that's something that it, it takes a, a while and it takes a village to truly build an omnichannel game plan because there's so much orchestration that goes on involved, mm-hmm. uh, whether it, on the Salesforce, MSL side, you name it, all these things have to be integrated. And that's a different discipline and a different mindset that part of my role is making sure that I'm pulling that through the organization. Mm-hmm. A question actually for both of you, mm-hmm. um, getting that mindset throughout the organization, how tough is it? <laughs> I mean, that's, it's such an you know, inelegant way to put it, but yeah. you know, this is a change, you know, and obviously a lot of change has been thrust on the industry and people in, individually. Mm-hmm. Um, h- how do you go about doing it with maybe, I don't want to say some of the holdouts, but maybe some of the people that are a little bit re- resistant to change? Sure. I think um, what we're seeing across the industry, as you'd expect, there's you know a continuum. You have you know more innovative leaders who recognize that this is coming and are very customer centric. Mm-hmm. But we also, on the other side, you have leadership that grew up in the model of they carried the bag. Yeah. They were the sales mm-hmm. you know sales rep. They were the traditional marketing role. Mm-hmm. And so, in those organizations, it is more challenging to help with that transformation. And so, you know, what we've seen is, um, as Ray mentioned, it really starts with understanding what are we trying to achieve? If it's about that customer centricity, having the intimacy of engaging with the right customers, with the right information in that one-to-one, and that that's going to be a better return on investment and a better way to actually deliver the information about your product Focusing on the business issue, not necessarily just the technology or just the change, is what we're seeing um, helps customers move across that continuum, especially that leadership that may be hesitant at first because it's new and it's not what worked when they were in the roles of the junior marketers. Mm-hmm. Great point. If I just may add to that yeah. as well, from a BMS perspective, we're very fortunate to have open-minded leaders from the C-suite level. So they really started to say that, you know what, COVID's taught us many lessons. Some of the lessons that it taught us was that the expectations changed, the game has changed. So how do we meet customers where they want to be met? Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. only way to get that is through Omnichannel, quite frankly, and that mm-hmm. orchestration. So what we started at BMS, part of, part of my first day of the job, was really demystifying what Omnichannel is about. You've heard the term digital, multi-channel. <laughs> so what's omni-channel, right? How do we start to orchestrate that experience so that it really makes the most sense for our customers because they demand it? The other thing I focused on is really obsessing on that customer throughout the journey, whether it be a patient journey, HCP journey, let's make sure we're meeting them where they want to be met, not assuming things. It all starts with listening, getting mm-hmm. that feedback and being actionable as well. What I also found works, especially with the C-level suite, is make sure that it ties back to the brand's goals, right, and objectives. It shouldn't be an independent thing. It should be something that that works in unison. So kind of demystifying Omnichannel is something that I highly recommend for folks that are going through the same cycle that we are. 
Yeah. And I think a big part of that, if I could add on, is um, Omnichannel isn't getting rid of the sales force. Um, and I think that's the thing that gets spun that way. And as we've worked on these transformations with a lot of different clients, it's really creating that a new role. And when we think of channel, it's not channels are not just digital. It includes those personal channels, whether that's the sales rep, the reimbursement specialists, the patient support, the call center, the MSLs. It really, it's a human as well as digital. And what customers are looking for is our healthcare providers and patients is how you bring those together, as Ray said, in the way that meets them at that moment in the way they want to be engaged. And so it's not an either or, it's really the and and how you you blend those in a way that's very customer centric. And I love the point you made about the sales rep specifically. So if we're doing our jobs really well, it's all about accentuating that experience, yes. right? Giving them not only the tools of what omnichannel can mean for them, but give them the data, give them the information that's going to help them really laser focus on what's in most important. That customer, as we said before, they may want to be spoken to in a certain way with a certain channel. So it, wouldn't it be great to know what content they want as well as what channel they prefer so that we can really cut to the core of what's most important? So again, that's part of our jobs. We have to kind of demystify omnichannel. Right. Um, that piece, the philosophical piece, the demystification piece, that's one piece of it. Um, the technology piece, <laughs> tell me a little bit about that because obviously there are many, many more things that we can do mm-hmm. than even, you know, what, two years, three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you go about making that part more, I want to say palatable, but more easy, easing that transition? For me, it's it's really about that word easy, right? Yes. It's simplifying the the uh, cavalcade of different tools that you have at your disposal. Mm-hmm. So there's so many things out there, whether it's Salesforce.com or Viva, yeah. integral pieces of this entire equation. Part of my team's role is making sure that we're simplifying the experience, uh, making more sense of what we have out there, so we can really leverage those tools in the right way. Because it gets intimidating really, really fast because there's just so much stuff. So it's not necessarily about the technology. I think the technology is great. We just have to make sure we're optimizing it. We also have to make sure that, especially in a worldwide role, that everybody is starting to use the same playbook, the same you know uh, acronyms, nomenclature, mm-hmm. right? So we're all on the same page. But a company of our size, I mean, it's easy to get caught up in, in, in the craziness that comes with technology because it's also ever changing. So the best way I can explain it is let's optimize what we currently have and let's start to look at what's coming in the future so that we really can have a stable of, of great tools at our disposal that are all orchestrated together. Yeah. And what we always encourage clients as we're working with them is technology is there to be in service to the business objective. Not it's vice, not not vice the other versa. Way around, right? And so it's, you know, Ray said it great. It's not about finding the brightest, shiniest object and saying, how do we use this technology? It's really about what are we trying to accomplish with our customers and what's the technology that's going to enable that um, by either providing data that gets us closer to understanding who they are, simplifying tasks that we're not doing the routine tasks. We can leverage technology to take care of some of that aspect and that we deliver it in a way that is enabling the business objectives as opposed to a technology first strategy. Mm-hmm. We heard that loud and clear in the survey. The providers told us that um, we're not there yet. 
what they said is even, you know, of course, everyone at the beginning made that quick shift and everyone expected in that first wave of the survey. We know there's bumps. It's not quite working. But even in this last wave, you know, we're three years into COVID in this, you know, hybrid environment. And we're still getting feedback from providers that say when they interact with pharmaceutical companies and the technology, either um, the details are too long, the scheduling isn't Mm -hmm. set up um, in an easy way. They spend too much time kind of trying to align on schedules. When they interact with their patients, patients struggle with getting logged on, getting logged on correctly in time. So there's still technology gaps from that simplification standpoint. The technology exists, but it's how we make it easier for the audience to use as a tool that enables them, as opposed to a little bit of a hindrance. And we're still finding their feedback is saying that we're not quite there yet. So I think we all have work to do in in making sure that we can use the technology appropriately. Then we have halfwits like me who can't remember (laughs) a password no matter what. So uh, that always knocks us back a step or two anyway. Ray, the evolution of Omnichannel to better personalize some of the uh, content we're seeing, where are we on the continuum? You'd mentioned before about, all right, you know, we're we're moving along. Are we in a mature state? Are we still Mm -hmm. in an adolescent state? Where do you think we are right now? I think we're kind of in the middle, quite frankly. I think our aspiration is pretty, I'm talking industry-wide, not just for us. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think we're at a point that we really know what a good omni-channel looks like. It's Mm -hmm. just the journey to get there. Mm -hmm. As we start to think about, I I mentioned the four C's earlier. I'm going to pivot and go to the four D's Ah. where we start to rethink the entire experience. So it all starts with data, right? How do we Mm -hmm. take this data? You were mentioning it beautifully Mm -hmm. before. There's all these ingestion points. So how do we start to get these ingestion points so we can start to tell a story? From data, we start to say, hey, we need to make decisions with this data. So what do we do to meet impactful decisions that are going to help the sales rep when they're in the field? Mm -hmm. Now that we have all these decision points as well, now let's start to design what that program looks like. And that's where things like content modularization come in. Mm -hmm. So now how do we personalize? We do it with great content, great technology that's orchestrated. And last but not least, it's really the delivery. So how do we deliver the message on the right platform? So we start to put these things together. Again, that's the vision. But how do we really get there in a meaningful way? But most importantly, we have to keep ourselves honest and get better and better every single step of the way. Mm-hmm. So that's my mission. I think we're, we're in the right direction. But we, as you mentioned earlier, we have a long way to go. Yeah. And one of the things that we do at EY, because we work across so many industries, it really gives us the opportunity to, um, we do an assessment from an omni-channel perspective and look at where are the consumer companies, where are the, you know, who are the leaders, where are financial yeah. services. And as Ray mentioned, life sciences are kind of in the middle. Mm-hmm. But when you compare to the most innovative entertainment companies, the most innovative consumer products companies, there's a, there's a, a lot of work to do. To, to get there. And in that assessment, it is about being honest and, and saying, we're not going to get there in leaps. We're going to get there in incremental steps. We're going to get better each day um, and understanding kind of where the, where we are against that benchmark. And I, a lot of times, you know, we get pushback of, yes, but we're life science, we're regulated. We are, but that shouldn't prevent us from creating really meaningful, relevant 
intimate customer experiences. We just do that through a compliance and regulation lens. Financial services does that. They're very regulated Mm -hmm. as well. And so a lot of times as we work with clients, we help them see what other industries are doing and what, you know, excellent can look like versus where we are today, but also help them recognize, like, put yourself as a consumer. We're all consumers. What's your best experience? How could you take what you see as your best experience and bring that back in the context of the compliance and regulations, but advance the pharmaceutical industry toward that? And part of what we asked in the survey from physicians are, who are the companies that are doing that personalization in life sciences best? And as you'd expect, it's, it's highly variable across specialty, but they, they're giving that feedback of like, what does that good look like? And it's those companies, as Ray said, who understand their needs, they're meeting them where they are, they're delivering personalized content that's relevant and meaningful to them. They're not um, omnipresent, I think you said, which is great. <laughs> not there every they're minute, not there of, the every minute yes. of the day. They're there when they need them. Yeah. And they see them as a great resource and a, and a partner in that sense. So um, it's been interesting to, to see both that industry, multi-industry assessment, and then within our industry, see how different companies are perceived by providers in um, where they are along that journey. Mm-hmm. Right. Building on that, Shannon, what are some of the gaps that the research revealed um, in the personalization process and the delivery process? Uh, Where are some of the areas we got to get better? Yeah, I mean, I think we mentioned the technology, um, and I think it's it's really from being the technology at the forefront to having the technology be simpler to engage. And so that's a big piece that is causing frustration still with providers that it's taking too long to log in. We're not thinking about the detail as an example Mm -hmm. is long. How can we make that more, you know, compact, relevant? As Ray mentioned, is it podcasts? Is it, Mm -hmm. you know, breaking into small chunks into modular? Um, Those are areas where I think we really need to get better. And the way to do that is, is, it's not making the technology better, it's the data. And it's Mm -hmm. taking the data that we get from the technology and using it, as Ray mentioned, in really insightful ways to be able to personalize that engagement. And I think we're in the process uh, across the industry of collecting a lot of data, but we need to start with kind of what do we want to do with that data? How can we create that personalization and make it from just a lot of data to really insightful um, data, data you that you can actually on act on and with. use that drives business objectives. You know, mm-hmm. I, again, I always want to come back to what are we trying to achieve from a business perspective? And that can be improving the health of patients. You know, I'm not talking just dollars and cents, but what is that we're trying to achieve? And then how do we make sure that the data we're collecting is helping us get to that that point? Ray, from your perspective, um, you know, the same question. Um, you know, where are some of the gaps that you're seeing internally and what are you doing to address them? Great, great question. And just to add to what Shannon was saying, data is going to help us tell the story at the end of the day, right? Mm-hmm. It starts with data, ends with the delivery, as I mentioned earlier. The big thing for us is the massive gap I see is content, right? Content in, you know, we all say content is is king, but yep. a content in our particular case is king and queen. <laughs> so how do we make sure that we're driving meaningful content in a way that's modularized, right? Yep. Not channel specific, really specific to what they want, mm-hmm. right? But then also, how do we start to what we call content enable or content enablement, which is really content automation. Mm -hmm. So how do we make it seamless and automated? So it's the response is really quick. 
it's poignant, right? Mm-hmm. So whatever Larry is looking for, I want to make sure that I'm meeting you where you want to be met. I'm not searching and, around. For no, it. you're not yep. searching around. And that content is relevant based on where you are along that journey. Mm-hmm. So if you already have been on drug for quite some time, you don't want to start all over with the content, right? Meet me where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Give me the content that's relevant to me and I'll be loyal to you. Uh, and that's what, you know, that's the cues that we learn from the CPG products that that really excel yes. when it comes to omni-channel. So we have to be humble about the data. We have to be humble about content and the structure. Being um, compliant, of course, is critically important. And we do have great examples from the financial industry, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. But that content for us throughout the journey is so critically important. That's a gap, not just for us, for many people on always refining it and make it better. And again, to your point, which I loved earlier, is make that technology is really going to make it seamless. So how do we make it seamless so people don't even know it's happening? It's it's organic, back Mm -hmm. to that word. Yep. And if I could just add to that, I think um, from a content perspective, it's it's not just the promotional content. Um, What we're hearing from providers is a greater and greater need for medical education for themselves as well as that they can share with their patients. And so, um, you know, I think life science companies are asking the question of what role do they want to play in that space? Mm-hmm. And we've always historically had the firewalls between medical and promotion and never the two may cross. And I think we're entering a new era where in a compliant way, we need to be able to bring medical content and promotional content, as Ray mentioned, at the right moment in the journey to the customer and have that not be forbidden. There's ways to do that compliantly. And I think that's where the technology can be seamless. But that's, I think, a barrier in what what providers are saying across specialty. They want more medical content. They want more medical education. They want to interact with the um, medical side of pharmaceutical companies just as much and sometimes a lot more than they are with just the product sales piece. And, and that's a great point. Just just one more thing on content. Mm-hmm. What we realize is medical, to mention, there was that firewall yes. in between us, right? What we realized, there was just such great content that could be reused in purposeful ways that right. just wasn't being utilized because medical was doing their own thing, commercial was doing mm-hmm. their own thing. So one of the first things that we started focusing on how can they integrate in a way that's of course compliant they first. Break down right. the yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Let's let's because we need to speak to the customer the way, the way they want mm-hmm. and the way they demand. And if we're going to do our jobs really well, and I'm very confident we will, we're going to really mm-hmm. obsess on that customer experience. And that only can happen with the convergence of medical and commercial for certain things, right? Mm-hmm. So that we're having some type of handshake every sec of the way. And that's truly what Omnichannel is yes. all about, as well as value and access, right? right? So let's not forget them yes. either. So how do we have these, you know, commercial value and access and medical kind of all driving to that customer obsession? Mm-hmm. That's ultimately, mm-hmm. you know, the essence of what Omnichannel is. Omnichannel, that mm-hmm. term is going to go away yes. someday mm-hmm. and it'll be probably replaced by customer, right? Yes. Customer experience <laughs> at the center of that experience. Mm-hmm. That will be true for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Hopefully forever. Yes. <laughs> well, it, we're seeing it happening now in real time. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not a, it's not something which is like, all right, we're going to flip a switch in three years and, you know, here we are. But that's uh, uh, fascinating. Mm-hmm. Shannon, switching gears a little bit, um, what you had talked about just before with content, um, tell me a little bit about that, what the research said about new products, how physicians and other mm-hmm. healthcare providers want to learn about new products. Absolutely. So new product launches are the lifeblood of the life science industry. And for, you know, providers as well, they're very interested in patients. You know, there's so much 
so much a gap of what that we need to close around um, being able to provide even better products to patients to help with whether it's chronic conditions, acute conditions, etc. Um, what providers told us is new products is where the uh, sales rep plays a critical role. Yes. They really want to hear from the sales representative about the new product, how it works. The other part that's important in new products is that we often forget from an omnichannel perspective is the call center. Yes. I like to think of the call center as the canary in the coal mine <laughs> because the call center in a new product launch is going to be the first place that you start to hear questions from providers and from patients way before you do your mm-hmm. market research, way before you start to get you know, your, your TRXs and NRXs back. You're going to hear what questions are out there because we never get new product launches 100% right. Mm-hmm. And so I think incorporating call centers into our definition of omnichannel and collecting that data, listening to calls, being able to respond with the right content as as Ray mentioned, is really important. And for providers, as I said, they want to hear from reps when it's about reimbursement and access, which I think are critical Mm -hmm. elements as well. They're happy. They know that's changing frequently. And so getting emails with updates, you know, being able to go to a website when they're talking to a patient or even have it as part of their workflow integrated into their health um, system as they're talking to a patient in their workflow as they go to prescribe. That's how they want to think about the access and reimbursement for patients. They don't need to hear directly in person from someone about that. They can gather that information in other places, but it needs to be easy. Um, and for new products, though, they, they really want to make sure they have a deep understanding of those new products and how, how to use them most effectively with their patients, which population of patients are going to respond well, etc. Ray, on what Shannon said about you know making it so it is easy, what's BMS doing? What are some of the things that are working to that goal? No, it's a, it's a great question. Uh, one thing that we're really hyper-focused on are launches, right? New mm-hmm. products. Yes. Uh, so, And the cycle's getting shorter and shorter. Yes. So we have to be super responsive. So we know this wave is coming. So what we're trying to do the best we can is, it, again, it goes back to listening, right? Mm-hmm. Making sure that you have that mechanism in place so you're getting that feedback almost instantaneously so you can actually do something about it. So the, the better prepared we are to anticipate these needs, the better off we'll be from an omni-channel perspective. So we're looking at everything from websites to the call center to those, what the bridge between personal and non-personal promotion. Mm-hmm. So if we're listening and reading the tea leaves, we're going to know what's coming down the pike or we're going to at least be half of the way there. In the past, we were much more reactive. Mm -hmm. Now we're a lot more proactive because we have that information that's telling us that story. So more to come uh, from, from a launch perspective, but it's just critically important for the success of us. And most importantly for the patients, because Mm -hmm. the the demand and the expectations have changed Mm -hmm. and we need to be there ahead of it so that we can meet their needs. Shannon, one of the things that we haven't discussed yet is the, uh, the area of eternal friction, MLR. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about how those groups are adapting to the new environment that we've been talking about. Yeah, I think it's critically important when we talk about omnichannel and the evolution of content, we can't forget the important role that medical, legal, and regulatory play. And what we've been doing with a lot of companies is um, the old ways of working aren't going to be successful in the way forward. And what I mean by that is, you know, the traditional role of all day meetings and bringing in, you know, PDFs of content and debating and discussing 
that doesn't align with the new faster pace of, of campaign development and personalization and modular content. And the medical legal regulatory teams want to have more education on what we're doing from a marketing perspective. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of the work we're doing is around change management. It's really about bringing the teams together. So it's no longer an adversarial marketing yeah. or the agency versus MLR. It's we're in this together. And how do we build um, processes leveraging the technology to simplify those? But how do we build the process and the shared um, goals and responsibilities to say, let we can do modular content, personalized content compliantly. We can do it fast, but it's going to have to change the way that as a group, we work together. And so we've been doing a lot of work in that space lately. And I think it's often forgotten um, when we talk about content, just how critical that role and that relationship is. And I think there's a lot of opportunity for innovation, change management, really bringing the team together as we look at MLR and the role it will play, continue to play an important role going forward. Are we going to get there? Let's say we're having this conversation again five years from now. Um, from both of your perspectives, where do you expect we'll be and what would be a really good scenario for the business? And I realize that's a huge, huge, <laughs> broad, ridiculous question, but uh, I'm asking you anyway, right? Yeah. <laughs> Sure. Um, I, I I believe we will get there. Um, you know, I I think as an industry, um, you know, the gray hairs will show. I've been in the industry for quite a while, and um, I've seen so much change, and and that's why I love life sciences. Um, it is it's exciting not only to see how the science has evolved, but how we've evolved um, as practitioners um, mm-hmm. of marketing, mm-hmm. of omni-channel, of communications, I, I really see a strong commitment to customer centricity, unlike I've seen in the past. And I think, as Ray mentioned, as long as we keep the customer, whether that be the healthcare provider, the health system, the patient, yes. all the different customers that we have, um, you know, the health insurers, keeping the customers at the center and continue to innovate around the ways we communicate with them um, that are going to meet their needs. I see the, you know, the industry continuing to evolve. Um, I think the science is fascinating and is there. And I see us um, continuing to evolve in the communication marketing aspect as well. So I'm very positive and bullish on where I see the industry headed. Ray, how about you? Uh, I am also very bullish. Mm -hmm. Uh, One thing, and I mentioned it briefly before, I think the term omni-channel will be replaced by whether it's the meta channel or customer centricity. It's all going to be about that customer, mm-hmm. uh, not just because we want to, it's because they're going to demand it more and more, right? We're, they're going to have a lot more access to us. Right. Uh, and the, the expectation and demand, thanks to the environment, is really going to amplify what we need to do for them. So absolutely, I'm very confident that we're going to hit where we need to hit over the next few years to make sure that we're just obsessed about that customer. And I know I'm, I'm using that word for a reason, because that's ultimately why we're here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, if we keep that lens on at all times, it's going to be the compass to guide us to the right direction. So I'm very optimistic, very bullish, uh, like mm-hmm. Shannon. Mm-hmm. I love that we get to end on a positive note here. Yes. This is terrific. Yes. Ray, Shannon, this was a wonderful conversation and a great education for me. Thank you so much for coming in here today. Oh, thank you, Larry. We appreciate it. Yeah, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right. For MM&M, I'm Larry Dobrow. Thanks for listening and watching. 